This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified veterinary specialist in emergency critical care and toxicology. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about skin disease with Dr. Andrea Meyer, who's a board-certified veterinary dermatologist at Animal Emergency and Referral Center of Minnesota. We'll be right back after these messages. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Dogosuds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Dogosud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Dogosuds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. We're really excited to speak with Dr. Andrea Meyer, who's a board-certified veterinary dermatologist And I always really appreciate board-certified veterinary dermatologists because I don't know anything about skin. So, Dr. Meyer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. Lee. Um, It's a pleasure to join you. So, I am a veterinary dermatologist in the Minneapolis area, St. Paul. I work at Animal Emergency and Referral Center of Minnesota over in Oakdale, Minnesota. Um, And I am pleasured to join you guys today. So since our audience doesn't know where you trained, I was wondering if you can give us a little bit of background about what sets a veterinary dermatologist apart from a regular veterinarian who treats skin disease. Where did you train? What made you a board-certified dermatologist? Awesome. Great question, Dr. Lee. So I did my veterinary college at the University of Minnesota. Then I did an internship um, at VCA Aurora in Berwyn outside of Chicago for a year. And then I did a three-year residency at the University of Minnesota. And then I did my board certification in California. And so that is what makes us a veterinary dermatologist. So we have about 12 years of additional training overall after our high school education. And so that's kind of what sets a board certified dermatologist from those that are uh, veterinary practitioners. Well, thank you. So the first thing I wanted to ask you What are the most common skin problems that you see in dogs and cats, and especially as a board-certified dermatologist? So I primarily see itching. So the first thing we see with a lot of our patients is they come in for itching and scratching and biting and rubbing and rolling. And sometimes it can be really, really a subtle change where they just notice that the dogs aren't sleeping as well, they're waking up in the middle of the night, or sometimes these kiddos are just absolutely miserable and they're just hurting themselves from itching. And so the most common reason that we see for itching can be something as simple as fleas. Um, Sometimes you'll see mites. But most commonly, it's actually allergies. So either food or environmental allergies can be the primary cause for them to be itching. And it's not uncommon for a lot of these patients to also have a rash. So we'll see bumps and um, lesions and crusts and kind of a poor hair coat even 
from these areas of rashing, and those are oftentimes secondary to a bacterial infection. And so a lot of times when we see these cases, we want to address both the why they're itching, so whether it's with a food trial or with it's from allergy testing or even for symptomatic therapy. And then we also want to see if they have a secondary infection. So do they have a yeast infection, do they have a bacterial infection that's causing their itching to be super miserable or causing them to have lesions on their skin? Now, what are the top causes of itchiness that you may see? And is this stuff that my general veterinarian can treat at their clinic? A lot of the common reasons I see are for food allergies, environmental allergies, fleas, and sometimes even ear infections. The infections are usually secondary to allergies. So I always recommend if your dog starts to itch, your cat starts to scratch or even to overgroom, so they're grooming more than they should, contact your primary care veterinarian or local veterinarian. Um, and there's lots of options these days. And if that doesn't seem to be helping, um, they may recommend having you seen by a board-certified veterinary dermatologist to see if there's additional testing we need to do or additional therapies. Because these days we have so many amazing options to keep our pets comfortable. So there's no reason for your pet to be itchy, scratchy, biting. We can figure out if it's a food allergy, is it a protein that we can kind of eliminate from their diet? If it's an environmental allergy, can we test them to see is it a pollen or grass or tree or dust? My own dog's allergic to cats. So he's absolutely miserable when he sees a kitty, um, which is pretty heartbreaking for me. We have him on allergy shots and he does fantastic. So now he can see cats, he can interact with cats, and he can do have a great quality of life. In the animal ER, I oftentimes will see pet owners coming in even at 2 a.m. because their dog is itching. And I used to always think, why are you paying an expensive ER fee to come into the middle of the night into the ER? And then my own dog ended up having what we call atopy or hay fever. And I realized it is super annoying when your dog is licking and scratching in the middle of the night. So a lot of times I'll actually see something called hot spots in the ER. And I was just wondering if you could explain what does it look like? How do we treat it? And is there anything pet owners can do at home when it comes to treating a hot spot? Hot spots are so frustrating for a lot of dogs and for their owners because a lot of times these dogs are painful. A hot spot um, or acute moist dermatitis, which some of us call it too, is where they've actually eroded the top layer of their skin. Whether it be because of a bacteria, like a, a simple staph infection, which we treat very commonly, or if it's just because they are have been scratching and biting and chewing that they eroded that top layer of the skin. And the reason it's so miserable for these kiddos is because that's where all of your nerve endings are. It's where all of your tactile touches, so how you can feel and touch and sense the world. And so when you erode that layer, you really hurt a lot of nerves. And so these guys can be excruciating painful, and so they can really attack and hurt their skin. And it, and it looks scary. So a lot of the signs that we'll see is you'll have a big erosion almost on your skin. So kind of it'll be really moist and exudative, meaning it'll be just really kind of gross looking. They'll have crusting potentially. So it'll be kind of a, a slime over the top of the layer and it'll be really red. Um, and it can be anywhere from by the ear, which might indicate like an ear infection. It could be over the sides. And sometimes it can be caused by something as simple as a really dense coat. So like if you think of like a Great Pyrenees or a Newfoundland, and they've been sitting outside and they, they just don't sweat like normal. And so they can get this kind of moist lesion on their skin and that can cause really an, a strong irritation or even a bug bite. But a lot of times they're also caused by an allergy. So that's why they're itching in the first place or flea sensitivity where they're, they're really itching and scratching and 
it's just gotten to the point where they've eroded that top layer of the skin and caused a lesion. And so things you can do at home um, to try to help prevent having to do that really expensive emergency visit, unfortunately, putting a cone on, getting them to stop hurting themselves, protection, a barrier protection. And so trying just to let the lesion heal so that they don't have to have this erosive or really big lesion on them. Um, two is if you're able to, as uh, an owner, just to clip the lesion, be very careful not to cut the skin. Um, but if you have a clipper like a man uses for um, shaving, like an electric clipper, you can try to clip the hair so that it's open and it can breathe. The lesion can kind of heal over. And you can try putting even some topical medications that your veterinarian may have prescribed previously for these kind of lesions. So touching base with your veterinarian to have some medications at home. If you know you have an allergic dog that has a tendency to get really itchy or if he's had a history of a, a hot spot before. And so you look at that Newfoundland that gets really kind of these thick hair coat mats and they can start to kind of cause these lesions underneath. Having something at home that your veterinarian can, can prescribe. And then biggest thing is trying to avoid the itching in the first place. So this doesn't happen. So you don't have to come to the ER if possible. And so talking to your veterinarian about finding the primary cause for the lesion in the first place. So whether it be your dog is itching and you want to do a food trial or your dog is itching and you want to do um, allergy testing or even symptomatic therapy. And um, sometimes they can prescribe medications that are even given as an injection at the veterinary hospital or given as an oral medication that you give at home to keep your dog and cat comfortable so those aren't coming up, so you don't have to end up in the ER. Um, doing frequent bathing, so bathing once, twice a week for an itchy pet can really help keep the skin healthy, um, keep the skin from getting infections if you have the right kind of shampoo, and touching base with your veterinarian to determine what is the best shampoo to use for your pet so that they're not getting these bacterial infections and these lesions. And when they do come up, trying to catch them as early as possible. So hopefully it's not 3 o'clock in the morning. So if you can, if you have the ability, you can see it start coming up. Like he's just focusing on that one area. You can try to get them in during normal veterinary hours so that you can catch it early so it doesn't become an emergency situation. I'm often shocked how bad hot spots can worsen really within just a few minutes owners will notice it and they start scratching immediately and it becomes this you know four inch big wound and it does look terrible it looks like there's pus almost oozing out of it so can definitely uh, happen really quickly but like dr meyer said please make sure to pay attention especially if you have a big furry dog we'll be right back with dr meyer right after these messages It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back 
back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. We're talking with Dr. Andrea Meyer, a board-certified dermatologist on skin disease in dogs and cats. We've just talked about hot spots and itchy dogs. Now, I wanted to ask a couple of questions about cats. If you see a cat, and I just happened to see a cat yesterday in the ER who had licked all the fur off their abdomen, and the cat's been doing this for years and the owner didn't really notice, how do cats show itchiness? Or when do we decide that our cat needs to see a veterinary dermatologist? Thanks, Dr. Justine Lee. That's a great question because I think cats have a tendency to be very subtle in their signs. The dogs will have a tendency to get these big open lesions and wounds. Cats have a tendency to be more subtle in everything they do. So as far as cats go, it can be a very subtle sign. So one thing they can do is just overgroom. We used to, in the back of the day, say, they're just crazy. We used to blame cats for being crazy for everything. And actually, that's not true. Out of 21 cats in one study showed that they were just really itchy, and they're not crazy. And so it wasn't that chair that you moved. It was that they're really, really uncomfortable, or maybe you release a lot of dust in the air, and that's why they're itchy. And so their signs could be as subtle as just losing hair on the belly to really aggressive where they're grooming and they almost have a racing stripe down the back because it's the only hair they have left because they just can't reach their sides. They can also get what's called miliary dermatitis. Those are little kind of called miliary dermatitis because it's like little millet seeds. So they have these little tiny baby pinpoint crusts. It can be anywhere from their head to their tail. It's not really a definitive distribution of where the lesions are. So it can be very subtle, but you'll kind of pet them. You'll feel these like tiny little crusts throughout the back. And that can be a simple allergy or a bacterial infection. And so, or it can even be a mite. It's a very non-specific. So it can be from anything that can cause inflammation on in a kitty can cause these lesions. And so talking to your veterinarian about these, they can also scratch. And the hard thing with cats is they come armed. Cats usually have very sharp nails. And so they can cause a lot of trauma, especially around their heads if they have an ear infection or they're just itchy on their face. So they can cause these big, almost linear excoriations or lesions just from scratching. And their tongues are barbered, so almost like imagine little tiny fish hooks. So they can do a lot of damage and cause little open lesions to just hair loss. And so if you notice that your cat's grooming more than an average cat, and that's kind of hard to tell, right? Normal cats do groom. But if you notice that they're spending more time grooming, you try to interrupt them. You say, hey, kitty, stop. And they just go right back to grooming. But more importantly, if they're causing lesions. So they're not having the same beautiful hair coat they're supposed to have if they're causing any kind of crusts or open lesions. Those are reasons you should talk to your veterinarian about having your kitty seen for itching. And actually, cats are very, very commonly get diagnosed with food allergies. Out of cats that are allergic, 50% have a food sensitivity. And so it's very important to kind of look at food for these kids and see if there's anything we need to do differently with their diet to make them live longer, more comfortable lives so that they're not having to go through this itching sensation. Now, there is one more situation where I will see little kittens coming in with a life-threatening condition, and it's actually flea anemia. So as a veterinary dermatologist, I'm sure you see a lot of flea issues. I'm still surprised that owners um, don't have their dogs or cats on flea and tick medication because it can be a potentially life-threatening problem, and especially in small, small puppies and kittens. I've seen some kittens come in with a red blood cell count that's really only a quarter of what a normal cat should have. And that's because all the fleas are sucking out the blood. Now, what are some veterinary options when it comes to preventing flea infestations? And do you actually see any kind of allergies to fleas in dogs and cats? We do. Those poor kiddos, when they come in so sick from fleas, because it's completely preventable. It's not something that's made in their DNA. So as far as fleas go, 
The biggest thing is prevention, like you were mentioning, Dr. Lee. So talking to your veterinarian about getting them on a good prevention that's a prescription. Not all flea control products are created equal. And some of the -the over-the-counter products, one, can be very toxic to cats if used inappropriately. So if it's a dog product and it's used on a cat, that can be a life-threatening situation where they have to get rushed to the ER. So one, making sure what product you use is appropriate for the pet that you're using it for. So dog flea medications can't be used on cats and vice versa. And making sure that the doses are appropriate for your size of pet. And then talking to your veterinarian about what's a good product. There are so many options out there. It can be really overwhelming. You can go into a store and see like 20 different things and you just don't know what should you use. Utilize your vets. That's why we're here. We want to help. And so touching base with us to see what are good products. Um, Some people will try some over-the-counter or even holistic options. And as much as I really want to be holistic as much as I can, they just don't work as well. And so if you have a problem trying to use a veterinary product that um, your veterinarian can recommend for your specific pet is a great option. Um, I have my kiddos on an oral medication. I have two large breed dogs that are my my love. And uh, they're both on an oral every three month product that works really well for them. And I don't have to worry about it. So if I bring them to a dog park or I go playing, and it doesn't matter where you live, fleas are going to be there. So people sometimes, I used to live in um, an area called Seattle, Washington. And a lot of people, I called it flea Nile. I had a lot of clients not thinking that since we don't, Seattle doesn't have a lot of parasites. They don't have me and they don't have a lot of that stuff just because of where they live and the geography of the area. But we still have fleas because fleas live in our houses. They live on our pets. And so if you go to a dog park, you can get exposure to fleas. If you go for a dog walk, you can get exposure for fleas. And so I really strongly recommend flea control, whether you live in Florida, where there's a lot more of a flea burden or if you live in Washington state where there's a lot less and it's not quite as a a humid environment because fleas do like humidity. Two is treating the environment. So if you know that you have had a a recent history of fleas in your house, treating the environment, there's products, um, one's called knockout spray that you can purchase that can be used on carpeting and furniture. Talk to your veterinarian about what might be a good option for your house and your pet to make sure it's nice and safe. Fleas can live in the environment for like 18 months. And one flea female can lay so many eggs, it's almost ridiculous. And so trying to eliminate both the animal that they can jump onto and continue the cycle and the environment is going to be really important. And don't forget your cars. If your dogs were going back and forth to the dog park or the vet, treating the, the car so that you're not having those flea eggs in your car, it's going to be really important to prevent them. There's a lot of things that can be a lot easier to prevent than fleas because fleas just last so long in that environment. And that's what makes them really extra hard. And there is even a thing called a flea hypersensitivity, meaning one flea can make a dog or cat itchy up to 14 days. And so that's why it's really hard. So you may never actually see the fleas. You may just see the signs where it's usually a lot of times on the tail base, not always, but a lot of times it'll be on the tail base where your dog or cat will just be out of nowhere, just be itchy, miserable, bitey, scratchy. And then you'll be like, what, what changed? And you may never actually see the flea. You might just get one flea bite and for the next two weeks, your dog or cat is absolutely miserable. And so that's where the prevention comes in, where you don't have to kind of worry about that and treat the environment because you might have a really, really small amount of fleas. And you may not see them, but you still need to treat the environment so those those fleas don't continue to rehatch in that environment and your dog or cat doesn't continue to get re-exposed. And sometimes you have a huge infestation where you just see fleas jumping off your pet. When you've seen one flea, you have thousands of fleas in your house. So treating that environment is going to be really important to getting your cat healthy and happy 
And so it's the same with your dog. I'm so paranoid about bringing fleas home. And I don't think pet owners often understand, like if one flea comes into your house, it lays hundreds of eggs and it's so hard to get rid of a flea infestation. And this is especially important if you live in warmer areas. I would definitely recommend keeping your dog and cat on flea and tick medication year round. We both live in Minnesota and I start it in March because we have such severe ticks here and I don't stop until we have a really hard frost, which is typically October. And again, you always want to prevent it. My cat is indoor and my cat is still on occasional flea and tick medication because I'm worried if she ever escapes out the door. That's how paranoid I am about bringing Mm -hmm. it in. So really helpful tips. Yeah. And I even have my kids on year round just because I work in a veterinary hospital. I'm a dermatologist. I see fleas. I want to bring something home. So it's not even if you go to a lot of dog parks where you have a lot of interactions with other animals, if you go on a lot of dog walks, even if it you have a hard frost like we do here in Minnesota, it might not be a bad idea to do year round because I have seen flea flares even happen in February when it's negative 40. They didn't get it outside, but they can still get it from dog to dog contact. It's crazy. Those things are hard to kill. And I think I think an important thing, again, is especially for the cat owners out there, please do not apply a topical small dog flea and tick medication that you bought over the counter or from your vet on your cat without talking to your veterinarian. I know ASPC Animal Poison Control Center sees a lot of accidental poisoning when people use dog flea and tick products on a cat. It is not safe. It can potentially kill them. So please make sure to always check with your veterinarian about what type of flea and tick medication to use. Well, Dr. Meyer, thank you so much for this really important and common itchy problem in dogs and cats. We really appreciate you taking the time to help educate our pet owners today. Thank you, Dr. Lee. It was a pleasure. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Thanks for joining us today. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank our guests, Dr. Andrea Meyer, board-certified dermatologist, and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.